Um, just as we're, uh, as we're jumping in today, <clears throat> uh, I had just a conversation with someone who, um, in our congregation who recently battled uh, pretty in, intense sickness. Um, and so he, seeing someone who comes so close to death and then emerges on the other side, it was like the scent of resurrection was on this person. I don't know how to describe that, but singing the words that we sang this morning just meant something a little different when I saw and encountered somebody who had experienced that and said, I, th- I was dead before this, but now I'm alive. And he wasn't talking about physical death. There was a spiritual thing that got brought alive in him on the other side of that. And so just singing these songs, knowing that what we have in front of us um, as a congregation is, um, is powerful, and it's, uh, it's every tribe, tongue, and nation. If you haven't caught that yet, it's, it's not like we were perfect at it. We're struggling. We're trying to do this, but it's every tribe, tongue, and nation, and there's no way um, that that gets behind. It's a resurrection upon us all. My name is Eric. I forgot to say that, as I usually do. Um, I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and it's been good to to have you all here. If you're gathering with us in person, if you're catching us online, we're glad that you're here. Um, I first just wanted to mention um, real quick, uh, thanks uh, for those. It was a surprise to me, the pastor appreciation video when it, when it popped up. In fact, it was kind of jokingly like we were looking at each other on staff like, did you put together a video? Where'd this video come from? Is there a video? No, I'm telling you, we put together the order of service. There's no video. And lo and behold, there was a sneaky video for us. So <laughs> we were wrong uh, and uh, it was cool to see that. So just thank you for those who have, have uh, uh, jumped in. It's something new to me, actually. It's not something in my um, background that we've really um, celebrated, but I did notice as I was going out to lunches and meeting with people, people kept picking up the tab for me. I'm like, what is going on right now? Uh, pastor appreciation. I got it. It's good. So thank you all so much. Also, quick little shout out to Josh. Thank you. I'm done in my CG youth shirt right now. Little support. He went the extra mile, Pastor Sam, and got me the extra tall version. So hey, if it's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep rocking this thing. Um, and as we mentioned before, it's Hispanic Heritage Month. Um, which is, uh, you know, in America where we observe from September 15th, I think it's about, uh, October 15th, I think it's um, just kind of cuts into the, the end part of September and the first part of October, um, celebrating cultures, histories, and contributions of people whose ancestors came from Spain, Mexico, the Caribbean, Central, and South America. So it's a broad scope of people um, that we're talking about when we use that. And my personal experience, just being um, discipled in a Southwest community, I grew up in a small um, uh, town and then went to uh, Phoenix, which has a lot of Spanish-speaking people in it. And then also I realized through some of these things, because um, what I've begun to do is curate a list of, uh, we've done this before during Black History Month of uh, black theologians you should know, and I want to introduce a list of uh, Hispanic and those of Latin descent theologians you should know, because there's some powerful contributions. And I realized um, the seminary I went to uh, really gleaned from that, because they're also in a southwest, southwest placement. And so there was a lot of the um, the people who, uh, who came under that that have shaped um, not just theology, but just like me personally, as I encountered these people, had full paradigm shifts as I'm reading through them, credited often for what is now considered um, liberation theology, if that's familiar to you. Um, Gutier- uh, Gustavo Gutierrez is one of the main um, proponents of that who started this. Um, and so over this next week, um, I'm going to uh, get this out and we'll put it on at least on our social so you can check it out. But there is a strong list of men and women um, 
who you should know about that maybe often come uh, and, and get less recognition that, that come from the margins of society at times based on the placement inside of uh, white supremacy often. And so um, we want to recognize those of Latino descent um, also in our congregation. So this is what we want to do. This is something that we thought would be a fun thing. If you are somebody who comes from a background of Latin descent, Hispanic heritage, would you stand up today right now? And we're going to have you stay and then we're going to broaden that up. Yeah. Amen. 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 Now, yeah, I like you. You're like, wait, you? All right. We got to touch base. Well, hold up. Don't sit. Don't sit. Don't sit. We also wanted to recognize there's many of us who have ministered in areas for long since of time um, in uh, Hispanic or Latin descent um, areas and countries. And, and we want to ask you to stand up if that's you. If you have ministered for some uh, length or period of time. Yeah. Amen. Matthew's saying. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yes. And I just want to say thank you for your contribution, not just the theological, but culturally, to the culture, right, um, that we get to celebrate today. So just one more round of applause. Thank you so much. Yeah. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Um, <clears throat> I, I, my, my hope and my prayer is that we, uh, that this is a beginning um, this is just a start to what could be done inside of a congregation like ours who wants to find ourselves in a placement of diversity um, and, uh, and to be a, uh, a place where the banquet table of every tribe, tongue, and nation could be seen as you walk in. Um, and so pray for that. Pray for that along with us and as God brings us further and further into that. Um, well, uh, uh, we, we've been, this is my, my attempt at a transition into the sermon. <laughs> that's, that's a horrible transition, but like, there it is. There's my transition. Um, we have been talking about what it means to belong, and so this is, there's a sense in where um, we have been uh, kind of asking ourselves, not just, not just in a community of believers, but outside of that in the community, just at large, society at large, what, what happens when somebody feels like they belong or don't belong, and is it the, on the part of the person who is attempting to come into a group? and there's maybe some responsibility and ways in which they need to think about that, but also the community itself has to think, what, what spoken or unspoken rules have we created that say you belong or don't belong inside of a community? And then we wanted to apply that to our church in the midst of it. And, and as we talked about that, what we wanted to really see was um, that there were some, maybe some disciplines that we wanted to cultivate together that uh, facilitate a better sense of us feeling like we belong to one another. And so what we said is there's these four things. We want to gather together, we want to grow together, we want to give together, and we want to go. And so what we're talking about today is that final one. We want to go together. I want to give you a little bit more about what that means. Um, before I get there, I wanted to mention um, just this little, this little um, uh, uh, story. I was trying to think in my, my history, when's, the, when's one of the first times where I realized I had kind of a representative responsibility for someone? And, and what I mean by that is you can belong to a group, but there's a way in which when you're out in the public, in the wild, um, uh, you are associated with a group of people, and what are the indicators for that? When was the first time I felt like, oh, I'm not just me, I represent an entire community behind me, and that may be whether I like it or not. 
And so the first time I could think of is when I got the first uh, jersey handed to me. I was playing football as a freshman in high school, and they hand out the jerseys. Um, we, we were the Thunderbirds, and we had green and gold, right? And so they hand us this jersey, and you're supposed to wear it on certain days for your game days. Um, and what would happen is I realized quickly I had some rights that I gained by wearing this jersey out in public. And so a group of us would go to this restaurant, and uh, the person who, when I was paying my bill, they, uh, they said, oh, the drinks on me, go beat River Valley tonight. I'm like, oh, all right. Like, I didn't have to pay for my soda today. Pop, wherever you come from, right? Soda pop, Coke for, for you South South people, right? And so I realized I get a couple of rights on behalf um, of, of wearing this jersey. But then there was a responsibility accountable um, to the public at large because what I did is I was walking around acting like an idiot in a public space, kind of roughhousing with somebody at a different restaurant in a different situation. And the person who owned it came out and said, you all need to calm down. I went to the school. I have your coach's number on my cell phone and I'm going to call them if you don't stop what you're doing right now. I was like, whoa. Like, it benefited me over on one end, but then over here it's like, ah, I just kind of want to take this jersey off. And like, never mind, I don't want that kind of accountability. If I wear this out in public, there's also a way in which I'm supposed to act that has consequences, repercussions to it. And so the, this representative association I had, it wasn't always good, uh, but sometimes it worked to my benefit. And what I realized is, but I kind of have to take both with each other. I don't get to say I'm going to take the free soda over here, but then not the accountability over here. It's just like you, you don the colors of your high school and whatever comes with it, it comes with it. And so when we belong to a community, there's rights and responsibilities. We've talked about that over and over the last few weeks, but we also have representative association with the community that we are a part of as well. And the jersey was just a symbol, right? It's just the way people knew who I was. Um, it, 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 it was what associated me with that people group. And we can't just turn it off or hide it, even though our symbols may be less overt. If I sit down at a Starbucks and I have a Bible, I'm sending a signal, right? And how I act and behave and, and interact with people, if I'm rude to the staff, they're going to see that and be like, oh, the guy with the Bible, huh? Cool, right? It, you're going to have some sense of understanding, like for the most part, I can kind of go under the radar and not be seen because Christianity doesn't necessarily, maybe a, maybe a cross necklace or something, but even somebody who doesn't follow Jesus has a cross necklace. You can't just turn it off and on though when you're out in the wild, even though you don't have an obvious or overt symbol to call your own. So if you call yourself a Christian, you're a representative or an ambassador of something. Do you get what I'm saying? Amen. And that's exactly what Paul calls us. This is the wording he used, an ambassador in 2 Corinthians 5. I want to invite you to go ahead and open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We will, of course, have the, the verses up on the screen, but if you have your Bible, turn to that or click over to it in whatever Bible app um, you like. And let me read this out loud to us here. Got to find it. It says this. First, 2 Corinthians sorry, 5, starting in 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself, 
not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's, what does it say? Ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, if I'm honest, there's like, that's kind of some weird language, right? We don't use that word ambassador, right? It's like you take a step back in some sort of gladiator or knight in shining armor moment. It's like, thouest will henceforth partaketh in the minstrels of the work of, of ambassadorial things for the king's majesty, right? That's like not, that's not something we do. We're not knighting people here and commissioning them out under this idea. And so I want us to live in this for just a second and, um, and kind of think about the way uh, that this operates. And so I'm going to step off screen just for a second. Uh, it's whiteboard time. Y'all ready for that? I hear there's two groups out there. Some are like, oh no, here he goes again. And some that are like, here we go again. All right. So I'm hoping you're on that second part of it. And what I want you to see, hopefully no one erased it. Bam. Here we go. <laughs> Illustrations. If you lived in this time that we just read from, and I'm going to kind of dip back and forth with a couple of different ideas, but if you lived in this time, you probably lived under the rule of an authority figure, some sort of king or ruler, a queen, somebody who is in charge. This person was thought of often, at least in their own minds and in the minds of others around them, to be gods, or like God at least. And so what would happen is they would create edicts, um, ways in which people should live, created codes of conduct. They defined good and evil, and they made laws. And so we're going to say this is the center of that place where this person um, brings the laws. Uh, I hope you like that. I got a fire-breathing dragon in the water, too. Don't, don't, don't pass that part. That's a, that's a good addition. But our symbol here is a crown. And I put it up on the flag. So that's the crown. That's the symbol we're going to be working with. And what would happen is um, in the midst of this, uh, they would have areas that they would be in charge of. And you saw how I kind of dotted this out with green. So this is maybe the green area. And um, if I need to create an edict and rule that over other areas that I'm in charge of, either over here or over here, I'm going to send out this ambassador. This representative gets lost in the desert here, then comes over, bam hangs out in this little place, and he's going to say, hey, I have some things that you have to do, some rules that you have to follow, some laws that you have to engage in. But it wasn't always just, we think of that oppressive part, and we talked about this, um, I can't remember in what series it was, but there was also um, this idea of a gospel. Right? We didn't come up with that idea, gospel, by the way, right? We've talked about that a little bit before. It just means good news. And back in the first century, Rome had a euangelion, a gospel, a good news that they proclaimed over those people. And so this, this leader would send these people over or person over, and they would say, let me present to you the euangelion, the gospel, the good news that I have to bring to you. And they would say things like, we have health care. We are going to open up the healthcare possibilities from here and bring that to you. Uh, in, in that first century, the, the, the gospel of Rome was aqueducts and healthcare and ancient versions of air conditioning. Amen? That sounds like good news. All right. 
The Pax Ramona was one of these, a relative level of peace that they would say, this is the good news that we offer you. Greece had one of those. Rome came in with one of those. And so when Jesus comes in and says, I proclaim to you the good news of the kingdom of heaven, he is saying that in direct opposition. I, I know you heard from Caesar one thing, but I represent God and I am God. I know you've heard that before, <laughs> but I am God. And I'm representing a whole new kingdom. And so he sets this up, sends them out there. This place is like, you know, maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. Uh, we may not have a choice, or maybe we do, but we'll take the air conditioning, right? We'll, we'll say yes to that. And so they go to the land of red. I just have this little, like, red dot there. Um, I had limited colors you can see to work from. And so then they send someone down here to the world of green, and they're going to say the same thing. Um, and so it's like, uh, you know, maybe, maybe we have a choice, maybe we don't, but we might as well say um, yes to the good things inside of that. Now, if you had to leave your position here, there was a second level. Let me make sure I'm not missing anything here. Again, since the ruler is one person, can't be in all these places, they established their rule and reign through these things by sending representatives. Oh, let me read this one quote. It, it's a good summary. One source, it said this, a common practice in the ancient Near East culture, that's, that's this, that's in the, the, the New Testament, was for kings or pharaohs, um, reaching back a little bit, to appoint representatives of their kingdom throughout their domain. These were vice uh, so there's two words, gerents, vice-regents, viceroys, governors, that's a more familiar term, stewards of the kingdom and the land. Their representatives were important, powerful, they were dignified, they carried with them the authority of the king in their given region, that's dominion and rule. Okay, now, if they couldn't be there, because eventually, like, hey, maybe this place is too far out, we don't have enough governors to send, that guy doesn't, he went out there, he doesn't want to live there, he'd rather stick it out over here, um, what they would do is then raise up or erect some sort of idol. So I'm going to use the same symbol. All this is is some kind of statue, my, my version of a statue, and there's a crown once again on the top of it. And so if I can't be there to enforce these things, there is a statue in your city that when you come out of your house and you see this image of the king, the symbols of the king, the idol built by this person, you say, well, hey, okay, so we get the good things and maybe um, they'll probably come down here with an army if we try to secede from this group of people. But the image was there to remind you like, okay, there's, there's authority here and we need to pay attention to it, all right? Does that make sense? It's the next best thing that they had to that. Um, I have, um, I, well, let me come back to that quote. So, so they would represent the rule, not, not in a human form, but in some sort of symbolic form, the codes, the conducts, their authority, their power, all of these things would be represented. And sometimes they would even worship this thing to show homage to the person who is that ruler. Now, if you're Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God that we follow today, he presented some of his own laws. Do you remember what they're called? The ten what? Commandments. And these are sometimes taken like vows in a marriage ceremony. They were not to make images of Yahweh. Exodus 20 verse 4, this is the second law in the Ten Commandments. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. Now, have you ever wondered why? Well, obviously, you might start worshiping that thing in substitution for the real thing, Yahweh. And, and, and you may, without know, knowing it, reduce this almighty creator to some human-made object. Those are both problems. But... 
God already made an image of himself, right? After creation is made, he creates humans in his image, this capstone achievement. And I want to read to you from this book that I've read to you from before, uh, The Epic of Eden. It's an incredible book, and it says this. When God announces his intent to create humanity in his image, the Hebrew word is selim, T-S, here, I'll write it here just so it's got some idea, selim. It may surprise you to learn that selim is the standard ancient Near Eastern word for idol. It's the same word, the image of God, the idol of God. When Someone from a different, uh, a polytheist from an ancient world would set out to make an earthly image of their deity. They fashioned an idol or a salem. Through this, we learn that Yahweh is presenting himself as this divine craftsman, right? He imaged us. No, no image or idol maker made us. God made us. So he is now this craftsman, and then he animates us and puts us in the world. Within this worldview of the ancient Near East, the message here is clear. We, you, me, everyone in this room who is breathing and blood pumping through their veins is the representation, the image of the Almighty God. Sit with that for a little bit. Doesn't that make so much sense of the verse in Ephesians 2 where it says he is the workman who has created a workmanship with good works prepared in advance? Because there is a right, but there's also a responsibility. And so I want you to recall that first verse I read and think about a couple of things from this. I just kind of had this little, you know, eventually they would maybe move over here. It's very clear. We got the crown, the navigate the fire-breathing dragon, land over here, and they have these people here, and they present their gospel um, in that situation. But the further you get out, the, further, the harder it is to send a representative, which is where idols would begin to come in. Sorry, if you're wondering, what's that right-left part or bottom-right part? Um, that's, that was the reason for that. So here's what I, here's what I want us to kind of gather Listen to this verse once again through the lens that I just presented to you. And I want to point out a couple of things. Actually, let me use these notes. As we co-rule, we are called to rule and reign in the dominion of God as his ambassadors being, being sent, commissioned to represent. So, so hear this one more time. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. He fashioned. The old has gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to him. That's the work that he has in front of us. And that he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. That's the good news we present. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Okay. It's not just there. When we look at what Jesus is saying in verse 17, we get a couple little more clues to this. It says this in verse 17, 15. Turn there if you have an opportunity. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you would protect them from the evil one. They are not of this world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Do you see what he's doing in there? He's making sure that they are, are good ambassadors of him. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. 
When Jesus says, as you sent me into the world, and I have sent them into the world, he is reminding us that he didn't just say, here's your assignment, good luck, I hope it all works out okay. What he does is he comes down himself and he gives us a personal example of what it means to live as the ambassador proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of heaven. He felt the difficulty of what it means to be human on this earth. He experienced loss. He experienced hunger. He experienced pain. He experienced abandonment. And he even experienced death. He knows how hard this is. But he also healed. He also did miracles. He also proclaimed and exercised his authority over demons, casting them out and setting people and even regions free from demonic influence. Jesus gave us a blueprint for what it means to rule and to reign just like he did in the kingdom of heaven. So we have this example, but it's not just an example. Then he empowered us to do the same thing that he did. This is what it says in John 20, verse 21. It says, again, Jesus said, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Did you see the delegation of authority? Did you see the empowerment in there? And so it's like Jesus looks at all of his people, these ambassadors, he's like, hey, hold up. Like, I showed you how to do it. You've been tracking with me for a while, and now it's your turn to take this stuff on, but just wait. Like, I want you to go hang out in Jerusalem because it's about to get crazy. I have a gift for you. Just hang out in Jerusalem. When it hits, you're going to know. How are we going to know it? Look, trust me. You're going to know what happens when the day of Pentecost comes and a violent wind and a rushing fire. Tongues of fire fall upon them. Look, I'm telling you, it's going to get wild. Can you imagine Jesus telling them that, knowing what's coming? He's just like, ah, oh, if you knew. If you knew what was coming. But just wait. Just chill out. Hang out in Jerusalem. It's coming. And all of this is packed this whole idea, this ambassadorial representation, whether we want it or not. Amen, sometimes? This, this authority to take with us, to proclaim the edicts of the kingdom of God, this idea of being able to um, have not just uh, the pains and sorrows and the responsibilities, but the representational rights of being able to cast out demons, heal the sick, and do what Jesus did as we proclaim the kingdom of heaven has come near. And so Jesus says this, all of that is packed into this statement. If you've been in Christian circles for a while, you're going to turn me off as soon as I say one phrase. Don't do it. Listen to this. This is the Great Commission. Don't turn me off. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All what? Authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's a kingly statement with lots of assumption as to the power of oneself. Therefore, what? Go and make disciples of what? All nations, ethnicities, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know what he's doing through baptism? He's saying, I want you to change your allegiances. You don't have allegiances to anything in this world anymore, all right? 
You are baptizing and proclaiming publicly that you now are a part of the kingdom of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Verse 20 continues, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Those are the edicts of the king that we now call the kingdom. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. If he didn't give us a great example, uh, and and we just eat the cake of that, and then he says, well, I got some really good frosting that you're going to love because I'm going to empower you with the Holy Spirit. And by the way, I just walk with you through the whole thing. I am by your side every single minute, just like I was in the Old Testament. I will not leave you. I am here. And now he says at the very end, if there's like sprinkles on top of that icing, I'm going to give that to you because I'm going to stay by your side every step of the way. But there's an allegiance shift. You understand that, right? Like, like, like it's almost too easy for me to say there's no Republican or Democrat because there's probably you, you're like, amen, right? We could amen that. But look, like I'm saying, you don't have allegiances to any of it. You're not a Republican or a Democrat. You're not American. Oh, hold up. Are we good? You're not of this world. You belong to a king that is totally separate, and it operates so differently than dominion and power, because look at this image as it was set up. This is usually a colonialized image being used to dominate people and force them, and Jesus never did that. He came proclaiming a kingdom of heaven. I have good news that I'm telling you you want to be a part of. I'm not going to force you. I'm just going to come before you and say to you, you want this good news, and it comes with an example, and it comes with empowerment, and by the way, I'm with you every single step of the way. But you got to shift allegiances. But you got to come alongside him. But you got to be sent on his behalf. And so here, I want to. This is a great little um, uh, encapsulation. I've, I feel like I've widened things up so big, but now we're bringing it back. Um, let me read this to you. As God's royal servants, humans are to rule on earth in keeping with God's standards and purposes. All human beings are called to represent God's kingship through the world and the whole range of human life on earth. And God's rule is not the rule of the despot, but the loving, nurturing, and caring parent. God's purposes for the earth involve a care that extends his blessing and his peace, constituting a call both to nature, conservationism, and social justice by upholding the just principles of his law. We take his goodness wherever we go, We take his commands and his teachings as we surrender to him and become disciples of him. And every single week in this service, we commission you out. We got rid of benediction. Benedictions are awesome. I'm not not hating on, you know, more liturgical expressions. What I'm saying is we wanted you to leave here knowing that we are sending you out. You gathered together. Now we're scattering together and you are on mission as soon as you step out of these walls. And so we commission every single day together because I want you to remember that you're ambassadors of something. Because I want you to remember that you are ambassadors of common ground, right? Like you represent us. And, and as we kind of, you know, the tangible things, we want you to go on our behalf every single week or every single day of the week. We want you to evangelize and tell the good news of Jesus so that everyone you encounter encounters that presence of God in you. We want you to invite people to this gathering, to the ministries that we offer, to house churches. We want all of that. But all of that is directly anchored and tied to this, 
This, this idea of, of, of ambassadorial understanding, this idea that you are, listen, common ground, you are an image of God. You are an idol, I know it sounds weird, an image of God that has been breathed life into and now you get to walk around. You are the idol and the ambassador. You're the governor, the representative, and the image of God's authority, strength, and good news to be proclaimed everywhere that you go. You are representatives of the majesty of King Jesus and your co-rulers in the kingdom of heaven on earth. Woo, come on. <laughs> he gave you the example. He gave you the empowerment. And then he said, go. That's what that word means. Gather, grow, give, go. And so our question today is, will we do it? <laughs> this is how I want us to end our service. Every once in a while, I got a clever little idea at the end that's a little different than the way I close out, so I'm gonna ask you all to stand up with me if you don't mind, if you are able. Because today, I wanna do more of a, a prayer of commissioning over you today, and not just an agreement that ends with a prayer and the, and the amen, which we'll get to that part, but what I wanna do is to kinda recount the things we just talked about, and I'm gonna ask you to respond with something specific. And I'm gonna say, will you go and, and I'm gonna give a description, and your answer, if you agree, is, as a community, we will go, all right? So think about each one as we do it. If you wouldn't mind just opening your hands as a, an idea of rece uh, uh, receiving right now or um, maybe surrendering even. And so I will commission you, we will pray, and then we'll move on to the last part of our service today. So common ground, Northeast, will you go and evangelize the good news of Jesus Christ? If you agree with that, say, we will go. Will you go and represent the kingdom of heaven? We will go. Will you go and bear the image of God before all nations on earth? We will go. Will you go and make disciples? <laughs> How many of you made a disciple? Think about it. Will you go and make disciples? If never once, then here's your start. Will you go and make disciples? We will go. Will you baptize in the name of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? If so, then we will go. Will you teach them to obey the commands and teachings of Jesus? We will go. Let me pray for us. And so, Father, as we have considered all that it means to be caught up as ambassadors, Father, be sent on behalf of Common Ground Northeast, but be sent on behalf, that we would be sent on behalf of uh, uh, the kingdom of heaven this day. Could we take the symbols used for death? Could we take the symbols used for colonialism? Could we take the symbols used to pervade darkness and bring light to you in this day? Father, could we commit to being people who would be people of the light, who would be people of Yahweh, who have given our allegiances, we've been baptized out of something as much as we've been baptized into the kingdom. And so we give allegiance only to you. Father, use us for whatever you want, God. Today, would we have a sense of being commissioned and sent on behalf of the going God who went before us, did it himself, felt it all, and then says, as the Father sent me, I send you also. Let us be letters sent to those who are in need of this good news, the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. And we pray for this right now in Jesus' name and all God's people said, 
Amen. Amen. Go ahead and turn it over. Go ahead and have a seat.